Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is your host, Kim Lingling. I am so glad that you are spending another small part of your day with me and my special guest that I have with me today. His name is Joseph Reed. And I love the title of this and this little bit I have to share right at the beginning, how I went from psych ward to best-selling author. Now, if that doesn't pique your interest, folks, I don't know. So make sure you've got that cup of coffee. You're sitting there <laughs> relaxing and you are ready to listen in. Joseph Reed, he has had a passion for loving and helping people from a very early age. He is the founder and executive director of Broken People, an international mental health peer support group. He is also active as a peer support specialist and family advocate with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the nation's largest grassroots mental health nonprofit organization. He is also the author of Broken Like Me and oversees several other brilliant writers on his website's blog that can be found at www.broken-people.org. Joseph, thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce today. I have really been looking forward to this episode because well, my very first question is, why did you entitle your little bit that you sent to me, How I Went from Psych Ward to Best-Selling Author? I think we're just going <laughs> to jump right in with that. Yeah, so from Psych Ward to Best-Selling Author, it's literally exactly how it sounds. I've been, uh, I've spent a total of five weeks in a psychiatric hospital in the last 20 years. Been hospitalized three times and all voluntary. One almost not voluntary, but I decided to go. And as of June this year, June and part of July, I was number one best-selling author in five different categories on Amazon. Woohoo! Um, that yeah, is was exciting. A, thank you. And I was a number one new release in in the country, um, in in four categories in for like three weeks. So that was pretty tremendous. And it, it's a, there's a ton of discussion there about fear and all of that. But yeah, so I, I, I literally have been um, on a journey from the psych ward to best-selling author. That's amazing. So, I mean, it truly is. And congratulations to you on being best-selling author in so many different categories. That's not the norm. That's not typical. So obviously, folks, you're going to, whoever, all of those of you who are tuning in right now, definitely going to want to check out his book. And we will share all of that information and where you can find it in the show notes as well. But wow, Joseph. So, you know, I've got to ask, what were the issues? And I'm just going to flat out ask, and you can tell me. I prefer not to talk about it if you'd like. Five weeks total over the last 20 years that you voluntarily yep. admitted yourself into a mental hospital. Um, yep. My question simply is why? Yeah, and my simple answer is because I didn't want to live. <laughs> the first time, you know, the first time my wife had found um, some drawings of me, uh, I was doing of, of, of my, like self drawings of me committing suicide. Um, and I was doing a lot of journaling where I was trying to convince myself for kind of build up the machismo or whatever it was going to take for me to actually do it. I was just, I, I didn't really see a future for myself. My, we had a young family and despite how much I loved my family and I loved my church and my friends, it's like none of that matters when you're in the, the throes of, of deep depression. So, um, I got home from work one night. I worked at FedEx. I've been there for 23 years and, uh, my wife is like, okay, so either you're going to go because I found this or, you know, voluntarily, or I'm going to have to call the cops. So 
I went to the hospital. I spent two weeks in the hospital and experienced so much trauma in that two weeks that I never wanted to go back. Um, however, in 2013, I, I did go back because I had a good friend that convinced me that it was good and safe. Uh, whereas my first hospitalization was very unsafe. Um, my second hospitalization was flipping fantastic. It was everything I had dreamed for in a psych hospital, which I don't know if anybody dreams about going to psych hospital, but if you do, <laughs> this is the one that you should dream about because it was good. <laughs> well, and that obviously, obviously, if you're having problems and you need the help, you want to be able to go to a safe environment, knowing that they're going to care for you and help you. So I'm wow, how blessed that you were able to find that uh, the second time. And yep. I don't, you know, the first time you said for two weeks it was an awful stay, and you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's yeah. that's terrible to hear, and to know that 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 there are institutions out that are still still like that um and that's awful you know and but it was part of your journey yeah and i'm assuming that in some way it was able to help you and bless you in some way as you moved forward so you mentioned that depression is that is that the main thing that have you struggled with depression your whole life or is that something that comes on you off and on or um usually I can go about five minutes without suicidal thoughts. Um, but it's typically just always in the back of my mind, like you just should kill yourself. You're not good enough. Like, and it's not, you know, it's not a day by day thing. It's a, a minute by minute thing for me. Um, and I have to use my uh, DBT skills, dialectical behavior therapy to deal with these thoughts. Like right now I'm doing okay. I don't, you know, they're not voices, but they're impulses in the back of my head um, that just, you know, just keep pounding into me that I'm just worthless. And, uh, you know, to go back about the hospital in 2001, you know, they've actually made a lot of improvements to that, that institution. Uh, cause my buddy ended up going there, uh, a couple of years ago. So I think probably a lot of hospitals, uh, back then sucked. <laughs> you know, they were relying a lot on medication and didn't have a lot of other, uh, resources available to them, but they've, they've cleaned up their game. So I appreciate that about them. 20 years ago, there has been an awful lot of advancements and improvements simply in the acceptance of mental health. You know, it still holds a stigma for some, and I, I've noticed that over the years. I, I live with PTSD, and along with mm. that comes anxiety and depression and a whole, a whole host of other things, um, and you learn to live with it and deal with it. And like you, admit, I always say I have my toolbox at the ready all the time because you never know. And I call all those dark moments, those demons. Mm -hmm. There are days when I wake up and I just know it's going to be a rough one. Yeah. And so I tell myself, Kim, get your toolbox ready. Keep it strapped on your back because those little demons are going to be popping their ugly little heads up. And yeah. some days it's, it's, you know, it is a battle. And I don't think that people look, not everyone, so I'm just going to say in general, there are those who look upon people that have PTSD or depression or anxiety as weak or yeah. something of the sort. And right. I will always, without fail, completely and totally disagree because there's nothing weak about a warrior who has to fight those battles and win those battles and comes out on the right. other side of them. Like you had mentioned, yours is minute by minute. 
Mine yeah. could be day by day. Some others could be hour by hour. Those are battles that are fought. No one, no one understands the internal battles that are fought with any one person ever. And yeah. that takes tremendous courage and strength to face that down and beat it back over and over and over again. Absolutely. So there's, um, you know, my little tidbit I'm tossing at you <laughs> when you've got your demons saying you're, you're worthless and all of that. No, I'm a battle warrior, man. I am battle hardened. I'm scarred and I'm going to keep on going. Damn it. You know, that's, yeah. you've got to, you know, and whatever works for you, use it because there's a reason that you're on this planet. Yeah. And there's a reason you're still here, you know, so you've got a purpose, which leads me into all of the things that you do as a, a, a peer support person and with the organizations, the one that you founded and the, the net, the national organization that you work with, mm -hmm. share a little bit about that. Yeah. So I'll start with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I got connected with them. I had never heard of them before, but when I started Broken People, I was looking for other organizations to, to partner with because I don't think that one there's one uh, solution out there. And NAMI is, uh, is, a, is an organization that offers free classes for anybody that deals with a mental illness that's called peer-to-peer -peer support. And everything they do is free. It's all donation-based, so it's wonderful. But the really, there's a couple of things I, I do want to highlight that are amazing about NAMI. They have a family-to-family -family group which is, you know, for in my situation, it, m my wife really gets angry when I'm kind of really depressed because she doesn't know how to process it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what NAMI does is they say, we're going to give you an eight-week class for free where you come in and we tell you how to live in a healthy manner with people that have a mental illness. Um, so you're not, you're not being codependent. You're not uh, being a crutch, but you're also not, walking in fear of their particular illness. Um, and I think that's fantastic. Plus, NAMI also works with law enforcement to do CIT training, um, which I don't, know the I don't know what the acronym stands for, but um, you know, they work with law enforcement to, to help officers know how to de-escalate very tense situations with somebody with mental illness. And Broken People is uh, my group, and I call it Broken People because when I'm at my lowest point, um, when I'm the most depressed, the only way I know how to describe myself is broken. And I started the group the minute after I got a phone call that my best friend had committed suicide. Um, and I knew I had to do something. So what I, what I thought about doing was like, well, I'll call it broken people because that's how I feel. And then people that go online and search for, say that they feel broken, they're going to find my group. And then we have a very tight community that's very well uh, controlled and monitored by, by directors all over the country um, that, that offer encouragement. And we go on there and we share our stories. Like my story that you, you have there, the book, um, Insider's Toolkit for Mending Broken People. It's my story and it's my toolkit, the things that I learned. Um, and we talk consistently about the three tools that I talk about in my book, which is our mental health scale, journaling, and the importance of friendship. Um, but there's, there are so many other things that are so important to mental health too. But that, in essence, we, we started in 2018 after the death of my um, I started writing my book in February of 2018, and I just published it June 1st. So the, it came out it came out right away as a, as a bestseller. And yeah, there's probably a ton I'm missing, but you can ask more questions and I'll get to that. <laughs> 
No, that's awesome. Both of the both the organizations, both the one that you founded, and as well as the NAMI, it just sounds awesome. And I'd never heard of NAMI until I started talking to you, and I was reading about it a little bit before we got on here and recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and I love the family to the family to family classes mm-hmm. as well because yeah, that's fantastic. Oftentimes they're they're kind of left in the dark a little bit because all of the focus is on the person that's that's trying to get well but the family yeah. the family has to know how to deal as well you know absolutely and that's that's the same with i think any type of mental illness but you know even with ptsd and things like that especially you know if it's a military ptsd due to experiences in the military like mine is it's a it's a different it's a different ball game and yeah family members they have to know how to deal with it in a healthy manner as well and otherwise it just makes for a very rough bumpy road for everyone and we're here to you know to love and care for one another and experience joy and yeah you want to be as healthy as you can so we can experience that as often as we can now i want to know a little bit about your book it's insider's toolkit so not giving all of it away, but I do want to hear a little bit more about it and how you sat down and said to yourself, I'm going to write a book. This is what it's going to be about. Yeah. So starting to write a book for me, like I, I really wanted to be a, a rap star before I ever did, did anything else. Like I thought for sure before I did ever did anything else, I was going to do a rap album. And, and I, if you knew, if you ever heard me rap, you would never buy the album. But like <laughs> writing a book was the first, like it's something I was aspiring to, and I'm known at my church for. But um, you know, I, writing a story was was the absolute worst uh, idea, or you know, the last thing I ever thought of doing. But then after my my best friend died, who was a huge mental advocate in my life, and we were mutually, I was like, I gotta put, I gotta put these thoughts down. Because in 2016, I sat down with an organizational developer here in Michigan, and I said, I've got all these things that I do in my life to help me stay s- stable, but I don't know what to do with it. And at the time, I was going to college for business, and I was like, how do I start a business, or how do I make a profit off of these concepts that I have, or, or what, do, or I have these concepts show me where I need to go? And he's like, at, by the end of the conversation, you know, he was writing all of my ideas, all the things that make joe joe on the board and we took a picture of it and he says well it just looks like you're looking for a specific situation in your life that kind of catapults you in the direction that you should go with all of these these tools that you have well that was the death of my friend after i got the phone call that he had passed away immediately my thought goes back to that conversation i had with him two years prior like this is this is what i'm gonna do with um with my with my story with my tools and one of the fantastic things I do with the book that, that the feedback I've gotten or I've received is at the end of every chapter, you know, I'm not the type of person that will ever answer questions at the end of a chapter. Um, I think they're great. And that's how I started writing my book. But I realized that, you know, if I'm just going to do it to fill up a book, then it's pretty pointless. And I don't want to do that, you know, to my readers and I want them to enjoy it. So I created a section called utilization. And I spelled it Y-O-U utilization. So how do you take the concepts that I've introduced to you in this chapter and make them your own? Because I I know a lot of self-help authors will go out there and say, follow my, my prescription or this idea X, Y, and Z, and you'll end up like me. 
well, that doesn't happen. This never happened with me. What, what, what works better is if you take the concepts that, that I have or like the tools that you have, Kim, and apply them to your life in your own situation and twerk them a little bit, tweak them a little bit, twerk. We're not twerking. <laughs> no, we're, twerking. we're not twerking. <laughs> uh, no, neither of us are twerking at the moment. But yeah, if we, if, we, if we tweak them a little bit to our situation, then that's even better. And I walk the reader through how to do that. Um, whether it be journaling, using a mental health scale, or uh, d- developing uh, deeper friendships. That is awesome. And I like I like how you incorporated Y-O-U in that, because there are so many different modalities out there and therapy type things. And, and I know I've went through the gamut of them over the years with, you know, with my PTSD and some, I get excited about, I'm like, Oh, wow, this is exciting. I could really dig into this one and work with this one. And then it doesn't work. You know, it it just wasn't the perfect fit for me. We are, we're all so different. We are all so different. And, that whatever trauma or whatever it is that, you know, uh, mental health issue that you're dealing with, it's all very, very unique to you. So that's awesome. I love that, how that's how you said you ended your, you end your chapters and things like that. And not yeah. saying to people, do it this way, because you're going to be better if you do, because it's not necessarily true. You've got to find the right fit. Yeah, one of the utilization, just to give you a little tip, a little clue what, what, what it is I was doing in the friendship uh, there's several, there's 130 pages about friendship because I, I love reading about friendship, but there's not very much out there about being an adult and making friends. But I have a challenge or a utilization challenge at the end of the chapter. It says, you know, we, I was talking about judging people and, and certain things. Is I, I wanted them to find, the, to think of their least favorite genre of music and to listen to two songs of that genre and to think that there are, you know, to think that there are quality good people out there that listen to this music and I'm not going to judge them. <laughs> and, and it's so easy. And it's one of the things that it's so easy to judge people based upon their music choices. When, you know, those artists are really mostly skilled, you know, really skilled, in, uh, you know, individuals. And the people that listen to music are, are worthy of love and respect. So I put that challenge out there and it's the feedback and that's been pretty funny. There's another thing that's say, added that's, to it. That's an awesome challenge. I love that idea. I love that idea. There's people that hate the idea. Like this, I got one buddy. He's like, I, you know, he he's got to listen to country music, and I'm like, dude, just try it. Country is not that bad. Like I, I, I have to listen to opera. Like I don't. Oh, that's like the worst for me, and I'm just like struggling through it. But but there, are, there are people that like it, you know, and it, it helps you, you know, expose your therapy, I guess, you know. But um, but there's a reason behind that challenge that I discussed in the chapter previous to it, and uh, I just try to make it fun, you know, lighthearted, but also make it so it so so that you can utilize it. You make it personal, you know? Right. Well, and it, it expands your experience and it, yeah. it opens your eyes and your mind a little bit. Yeah. And that's all very Absolutely. healthy. That's all very healthy things that you want to do. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you in your bio, you mentioned, you mentioned church. You mentioned church earlier as we were chatting here. I myself am a Christian and mm-hmm. have a very strong faith. And I do know for me, for my personal journey, once I walked into my faith, I came into it. I'm a late bloomer. I I didn't even start going to church until my mid-30s. So I call myself a late bloomer. But that was part of my healing journey. And 
years later, I can't envision my life without my faith. So how did, did you always have faith or is that something that came, that you came upon or, you know, your eyes were opened, your heart were opened at a later point in life? I love it that you asked this question. I, I love it that you took a chance with this because it could go a million different ways and you don't even know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I have, I have loved Jesus since as long as I can remember. He has been a integral part of every decision in my life. But at the same time, I would not say, I would not say I'm a person of strong faith and I'll explain why, like, because I doubt a lot. <laughs> and sometimes I think that my doubts define my faith in spite of some of the things that I cannot see. And I wish I did see, you know, that, that questioning, but my choosing still to follow after Christ is, has been such a huge part of my mental health journey and my faith journey. And, and every time I face a challenge to my faith, um, which being a parent will do, which, you know, being outspoken like I am about mental health will do, you know, it's, I've been rewarded, you know, from a God that's faithful. So, um, and it's interesting to go through and as I'm reading through the Bible in a year, uh, to look at how emotions play such an important role. Right now I'm in the book of Numbers. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's my absolute life, you know, God's first, my wife, and then my kids, and everything else just kind of falls behind. That's awesome. That is awesome. You said so my that book comes from that perspective, you know, to a, a person of faith. But though, although my book isn't directed to people of faith, mm -hmm. because broken people, like the half, half, more than half of my group are people that would never claim a faith. You know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not judging. Well, yeah, and it's it's not our job to. There's only there's only one well, who who is the final judge, and it certainly yep. isn't us. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's right. You know, broken people. I like I like that that that's part of your title because there's not a single person on this planet who isn't broken. Well, yep. And Jesus, Jesus was broken for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities right. by his stripes. Right. But he, he is literally the only perfect one. Yeah. You know, yep. there's, there, you know, so we're all, we're all broken, whether people want to admit it or not. Um, right. I think humans in general, we doubt, I doubt, doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. Yeah, I doubt, I question God all the time. Um, yep. And sometimes I hear his answers and sometimes I don't because in my humanness and my stubbornness, I stumble along on my own silly, bumpy path. And I'll be like, oh, wow, I guess I should have listened, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, all of us, whether, you, whether you're a person of faith or not, we're all broken in some way. Um, and if you feel that you haven't been yet, you will be, <laughs> you will be, that's just life. Yeah. Life yeah. will kick you in the face sometimes, um, yeah. whether you ask for it or not. It's just, it's just life, you know, and it's all in how you deal with it in a healthy manner. Um, and a lot of us like you and I, you know, we, we've got a little extra issues that we deal with <laughs> in our life. But I yeah. also think that having that, gives us much more empathy towards others. Do you find that? Yeah, it's, it's been a, a chicken and egg thing for me in, in regards to that. Like, which one came first, the empathy or the mental illness? And uh, the empathy has definitely been a big part of why I do Broken People, but it also has not helped with my mental health <laughs> because uh, I care an awful lot and that has gotten me into trouble. 
I I completely understand that. I I since I can resonate with that statement because I am. Oftentimes, I say I'm ridiculously empathetic. Where you know I see someone hurting, I want to help, and oftentimes. Yeah. I may take their weight upon my own shoulders, which is not super healthy. Yeah. And to do it for, you know, an extended period of time is truly not healthy. I've found over the years, as I've learned on my little journey, that I do have to I do have to put walls up on occasion with some people simply yeah. because I can't take their weight on. So I have to, you know, I'll give guidance or direction but I can't take their weight. I have to, that's me personally, because I did it for years and years. And being empathetic is, is a gift. I truly believe it's a, it's a God-given gift. Yeah. But it's also, it could be, it can be quite heavy at times, yeah. unless unless you're, you're able to learn to live with it in a healthy way. And I, I agree with you said your empathy also impacts your mental health. Yes, it does. Yes, yeah. it does. I agree. Um, I think we can get out in front of God. You know, I think we can do so much and, 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 and stop listening to God and following after God's uh, direction and just start do, 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 doing when God just wants us to be. Um, be in his presence and operate in his in his will. Um, and it's, you know, in the um, in my chapters about friendship, I, I introduce a concept concept called intentional best friends where i've made almost like onion layers of friendship around me where i have set up these walls these different layers uh called intentional best friends something i do every year i make a commitment to a small group of people and we have this really tight bond where we're almost in touch with each other every day just checking in and seeing how you're doing and they understand my mental health scale they understand about my organization and uh it's 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 been a lifesaver for me to to develop these layers that's i like i like that concept i can resonate with that as well <laughs> so hey as we, as we as we wrap this up today um first off thank you so much for being my guest this has just been amazing and i definitely want to have you back on because i think there's a whole lot more that we could delve into here oh yeah really helpful really helpful to uh the listeners and and many more um, but I always ask my guests at the end of our chats to provide or leave the listeners with just one thing that they can take away with them today that they can implement in their lives. Maybe it's a tip, you know, something like that, or, or, or an a, a personal affirmation that they can take away with them. So what's one thing that you want to leave our listeners with today? Well, I want to start off with just a little bit of honesty. I came on right before I got on the podcast when it was just utterly discouraged. <laughs> my my book my book took a dive in the numbers on Amazon like it wasn't doing so well this week and uh, um, I just have a lot of work to do to produce my audiobook and and um, yeah I just I was really really discouraged and I was like oh, why does she even want to talk to me you know it's like you know who am I kind of a thing but that takes me to my point of where Jesus said you know to love your neighbor as yourself and. I always use that to remind myself that the bar that Jesus set for loving my neighbor is how I love myself. So in, in, in some regards, I think of, well, I say this, like, how, how am I able to 
love my neighbor very much if I don't love myself very much. So I, I, I realized by loving myself, by going to the gym, by doing healthy decisions, that gives me the capacity to pour into and love on other people. So just, I would just encourage everyone that's listening to this to challenge yourself to love yourself more so that you can love your neighbor more. And I, I heard it said by somebody today, I was listening to a podcast uh, somewhere else and they said, you know, things that take time like meditation or prayer, exercise, you think that takes time away from you, but what those things do is really adds time to your day because it increases your focus and your capacity to do more. And I, I, I'm telling you this, and I'm really not wanting to go to the gym here in a little bit, but <laughs> I, because I think it'll take two hours and I have an audio book that I have to record. And, and it's just like, you know, it's boundaries and adulting is hard, but yeah, love, love your neighbor and love yourself. And yes, that's something that everyone should be doing on a daily basis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Although it's tough. It's not easy all the time. Absolutely so not. I thank you um, for your time today. I definitely do want to have you back on again. Wealth of information. Really looking forward to checking out your book. So Joseph, thank you so much for being with me today. And I wish you all the best for the rest of your day and the days moving forward. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Kim. Very right. much appreciate it. Take care.